0: Hello and welcome. I'm Debbie George-Jadis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to hit three stories. The message from the Vice President of the United States to the people of Venezuela, you got to love the leadership America is showing. Candace Owens and the Blexit rally, she rocked Los Angeles. And third, the lynch mob media strikes again. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Debbie Georgiatis, and my show is America Can We Talk. Welcome again, and welcome to my first five. The Wall Street Journal printed a letter today written by Vice President Pence to the people of Venezuela. I love this letter. Everything I talk about here in my show will be posted on our website, americancomingtalk.org. The reason I love what Vice President Pence said was he's reaching out to the American, to the Venezuelan people, who today, today on Wednesday, January 23rd, are taking to the streets to protest the dictatorship, the socialist dictatorship of Victor Maduro, and demanding him getting out of office. The reason I love this so much. You have to know a little bit about Venezuela to understand why this is so significant. Maduro was elected, actually elected in 2013, but he got a ruling in 2015 from the parliament. He could essentially rule without having to have anything go through the parliament any further. He is now a flat out socialist dictator. The people of Venezuela are starving to death. Nine out of 10 Venezuelans live in poverty. The average Venezuelan has lost 20 pounds in the last year. People are literally breaking into the zoos and eating zoo animals, eating their own pets. There's stories coming out of Venezuela. Some of them are counted in Vice President Pence's editorial in the letter in the Wall Street Journal about families having to awaken at four in the morning to send the kids out to get their one little receipt where they can get in line to stand and wait half the day for one piece of bread. What Maduro is showing the world is the evil of socialism. What Vice President Pence, who obviously did this at the behest of President Trump, is showing the world is that this American administration is willing to say what many previous administrations simply would not do. Socialism is an evil. It is antithetical to the rights of individuals, antithetical to the freedom everybody wants the editorial or the letter that Pence sent encourages the Venezuelan people as they are taking to the streets, demanding Maduro step down. There's also in Venezuela, the leader of the National Assembly, assembly uh, who volunteered several weeks ago to take Maduro's place because as his unpopularity increased, he, this guy, and I'm going to say, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but his first name is Juan. It's like uh, Guido, however you pronounce it. The point is he is the rallying point for the people of Venezuela. He volunteered to take Maduro's point, uh, place and Maduro had the audacity, this isn't elected, the head of the National Assembly, had his, uh, Maduro had his you know, mug men pick him up, re- keep him in custody for some amount of time, question him, ultimately release him. What are they gonna do about it? So at this point, uh, this gentleman has claimed he is now the legitimate leader of Venezuela. What I really like most of all is this. We've had moral equivalency in political conversation in America for too long. We have had too many leaders, frankly on both sides, unwilling to say, freedom free markets and capitalism are better than socialism too many people unwilling to say socialism is an evil that destroys human freedom it is antithetical to human freedom the message from vice president pence encouraging the people of venezuela take to the streets you're right we're with you america's already put aside something in the range of a hundred million dollars to help the refugees fleeing Venezuela. But the bigger point is the message from the, this administration is we know socialism isn't evil. It's a great time to say it when you have, a, we have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, and frankly, too many young millennials completely clueless about the real impact of socialism on real everyday people. I'm thrilled that the vice president chose to publish this letter. I'm thrilled that the administration is standing up strong against the evils of this dictatorship of Maduro and Venezuela and standing with the Venezuelan people saying, that's right, stand up, you have a right to freedom too. I'm Debbie George That was my first five for today. Stay tuned. And welcome back to America, Can We Talk? There was a rally this past Sunday in Los Angeles sponsored by Candace Owens and the Blexit movement, B-L-E-X-I-T, which he first made up that name was for a black exit from the Democrat Party. They're now saying, well, you know what? The Latinos also want to exit the the, uh, Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has done nothing but bring harm and misery to low-income Americans, black Americans, Latino Americans. So now Candace Owens is saying this is the, black and Latino exit from the Democrat party. They held a rally in Los Angeles and they had to move the location because the first location where they tried to sell out tickets uh, filled up too fast. So now they had a, a bigger rally. And I just encourage you, if you are just watching this on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're watching it, just Google Blexit rally. Also go to Blexit, dot com or .org, wherever it is, listen to the people individuals speaking their hearts and minds about why they understand now that they have a right to think for themselves. They're tired of the sense that the Democrat Party thinks they own the minority vote in this country. I want to play just a few clips from the Blexit rally because it was really extraordinary and the worst news the Democrat Party's had in a long time. We have clip one, I believe, right? This is Candace Owens. This is amazing. Wow. We are standing in the middle of downtown Los Angeles, guys. The media says we don't exist. Fake news. Guys, this is, honestly, it's, it's such a great honor to be here tonight. You guys have no idea. And, and to see you guys flooding in, standing room only, everybody up there, it feels like a dream come true for me. Um, I, I love you guys. Okay, that was the first clip. Just to tell you that what she did at this rally was she gave a public venue for people, and they panned the crowd a little bit, but they they have fabulous pictures from this rally. Many, many Hispanic Americans, black Americans, wearing MAGA hats, make America great hats, if you don't know what that is, standing there smiling, thumbs up, supporting President Trump, supporting the Republican party, and at this rally, they talked a lot about why, what is the reason that they are urging black Americans to consider leaving the Democrat party. There were great comments also from Larry Elder, a longtime black conservative activist, who you'll hear Candace Owens was saying, kind of one of her uh, mentors, one of the people who really inspired her. So we have one more clip from this rally. The black and Latino community is going to save America. It's not racism that is keeping us out of the American dream. It's the lies that we've been told that is keeping us out of the American dream. It is us marrying ourselves to a party that does not care about us that is keeping us out of the American dream. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Can you feel feel the freedom? Can you feel the love? I wrote a piece where I argued, this is 30 years ago, that racism was no longer a major problem holding black people back. Now, saying that now causes people to drop drop their jaws. Saying it 30 years ago made me a freak. (laughs) So I got a phone call from a radio producer. He said, I read your piece in The Plain Dealer. Do you really believe that racism is no longer a major problem for black people? I said, that's right. You Work hard. Keep your nose clean. Get a good education. Don't have uh, kids outside of wedlock. Get married before you have a kid. You'll be just fine. (laughs) We Hey, you just got to love this. There were so many more clips I could have played, but I want a chance to make a couple comments about it. First of all, we've been told by the American left, or I should really call them the anti-American left for so long that demographics are destiny or demography, you know, demographics are destiny, meaning that because in America we have a, we are eventually, according to those who predict and calculate such things, going to have a majority ultimately some year in this country who are black and Hispanic or otherwise non-white. And the point of the advocates on the American left in saying that is they wanna tell you they want to convince America that once there is a majority of people who are non-white, who are whether they are African Americans, uh, you know Hispanic Americans, whatever other uh, background, race or ethnicity, that somehow when we get to that date, that conservatism, patriotism, love of America, the whole American dream will be over because these people, because of the color of their skin, the language their grandparents spoke, whatever country they came from, somehow those people won't love the idea of America, won't love freedom, won't love a country based on freedom and free markets, won't love a country based on the Constitution, that somehow the socialists especially argue that they can sell socialism to people based on their skin color based on their race or ethnicity. That is a racist statement. That's a racist assumption that because of the color of your skin, what country your ancestors came from, what language your grandparents spoke, that somehow you will believe a certain thing because of your skin color. And the truth is, What Candace Owens is proving, what Larry Elder's been proving for years, what we need to prove in America is that the ideas that created this country, the fundamental building blocks of America, the goodness of America that comes from the foundational ideas of freedom, rights from God, simply because we were born, rights from our Creator, that we're all equal, that we live in a country under a rule of law, not a rule of abandoned borders and lawlessness and A ruling elite class living outside the rule of law. All of these fundamental building blocks of America, they're what made America great. And every person of every skin color, race, and ethnicity can figure this out, can come to the realization that they're actually what America is about is ideas, and actually the ideas of America matter. If we don't hold on to those ideas of America, if we don't hold on to the America of our founding, then we're surrendering the greatest experiment in human liberty in all of world history. We have a job in this generation and every generation to bring this message of America's unique greatness to every person, to never accept the lies of the American left that say, well, certain people, because of their race or ethnicity, aren't going to be interested in truth. Yes, they will. Ask the people of Venezuela how much they like socialism, That they how much they enjoy living in abject poverty, that and misery that socialism always brings. A couple other points. By Candace Owens doing this in Los Angeles, by bringing this Blexit rally to LA, she hasn't just given a venue for a one-day meeting. It was a one-day meeting. They had fabulous speakers. Ann Coulter, who, you know, is usually, uh, acerbic and uh, pointed and entertaining and insightful. She spoke. Larry Elder spoke. There was a whole slew of speakers there. New leaders in this country, new young political leaders, speaking up and saying that the ideas of America, which are the ideas that I'm mentioning, the ideas of a co- of, of a Constitution that keeps us safe, that gives us structure, gives us freedom, that the rule of law, that it matters, that the idea of the American left, whose solution to every problem is to create another government program, has actually created tyranny in Washington and a loss of the sense of self reliance among the people in America. This rally that Candace Owens organized and you know the whole you have to give credit, the whole turning point USA people get behind her, she gave hope. She gave confidence to people of all backgrounds in this country who are a little bit afraid to speak up. They're kind of afraid to be the one to say, if they happen to be African-American or Asian or Hispanic-American, they're a little bit afraid to speak up at the family Thanksgiving table, the family get-together to say, you know, actually, I think I'm, I'm a conservative. I think I like the ideas of America. I think I reject socialism. I think I reject massive big government takeover of our country. Those people have been afraid to speak up and I I have many friends who are black and who are conservative who will say, even in their own families, and they've been outspoken, Republicans for years, they still say in their own families, they go home for Thanksgiving and say, you know what? we can't really talk politics because people get offended people get upset but i'm telling you her rally and this is just the first of many she plans to do this is giving confidence this is giving people who are you know know what they think in their hearts they know what they think about america they know that socialism is an evil they know the american left is trying to cram socialism down socialism down the throats of the american people they know that the tyrannical growth of big government in Washington is hurting freedom and free markets and entrepreneurship and just a free society. They know it. She's helping them, giving them a platform, a voice, a connection to other people. And this is a great message to conservatives in this country who think that maybe our message will only sell in certain quadrants, certain areas, certain, to certain people. The message of America, the message of liberty, the message of the founding of America, the idea the founders had of founding a country based on liberty is actually related to truth, to the truth that we have rights from God because we were born. And that truth Will appeal to more and more and more people. What we should learn from the Brexit rally is to never stop speaking up for America, never assume that the values of America, the conservative ideas of America, are somehow not interesting or somehow won't sell to some group of people because of their race, ethnicity, or national origin. Truth is truth for everybody. And, and you know what, Marat, that's I'm done with the Brexit rally and stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back, America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Georgiades. Well, we talked yesterday about what happened on the steps of Lincoln Memorial uh, at the pro-life rally where they had students who'd come all the way to Washington from a Catholic school in Kentucky called Covington. And there was a big altercation, uh, a big incident uh, on the steps of Lincoln Memorial, and it involved Uh, students from this Catholic high school who'd come to Washington to to stand up for their view about in support of right to life. They also had on MAGA hats, M-A-G-A, Make America Great Hats. Those students who stood on the steps of the Capitol, um, there was actually a piece of the story I didn't get to yesterday, and I want to embellish it a little bit so you understand really uh, part of what happened uh, in that rally in Washington. Um, There was another group involved. Uh, This segment really is about the media and I have talked about on my show before, it's like what we have in America is a lynch mob media. It's become almost what mainstream media, what used to be mainstream media has become, lynch mob media. They pick a story, they choose a graphic or a video from that story, they collapse it down into a portion, they clip the story in a way that sends a false message it sends a false narrative, a false story story, and they put it out to the American public. It's out in, on Twitter, the Twitter mob goes after it. It's out on Facebook. It's out on all of the pundit across punditry, the mainstream media news outlets, the mainstream newspapers. And I don't even like calling them mainstream because I think more and more Americans are ignoring mainstream media, the ABC, NBC, CBS, the Washington Post, New York Times, they're recognized as at least left-wing media. But in some cases, they actually become the lynch mob media. And what I mean by that is they decide the narrative ahead of time. They know who they're trying to tell you is the bad guy, who they want to paint as the good guy, and they twist the story, the video, the incident to fit the narrative they're trying to feed you. I'll come back to that in a moment, but on the Covington case, these kids who were in Washington for the pro-life rally, first of all, it drives most liberals nuts to think that there are actually high school students in this country, religious high school students who are pro-life, who actually think that the pro-life movement is on the right side of that issue. That bothers them left-wingers in this country enough. On top of that, to have those students wearing MAGA hats, Make America Great hats in Washington, to have those students in Washington standing up for life while wearing a MAGA hat, this is about enough to trigger pretty much any left-wing media person in this country. But I wanna, I wanna tell you something that, that I didn't get to in yesterday's recounting of the story, and I'm gonna get around to why I'm saying this matters so much. But in the instant at the, at the Lincoln Memorial, prior to the time the Native American agitator, who was actually the aggressor, the agitator, prior to his walking up to the group, there was another group involved beside the Covington Catholic students. There was a group called the Black Hebrew Israelites. There's actually a group called the Black Hebrew Israelites. That's their name they've chosen for themselves. Their main thing they do, they use taunting, taunting as their gospel. This is their description of what they do. They taunt and harass people in public. So this black Hebrew Israelites group was at the rally, taunting, mocking, yelling, vulgar, disgusting insults at the Covington Catholic students who were there to stand up for the pro-life message. Now, how many of you, of all the media sources you read, did you read about them? Did, did, how many saw the Washington Post and New York Times? All these, you know, these outlets, these esteemed journalistic outlets that try to say, come to us, we'll tell you the truth, we give you the whole picture. Did they talk to you in, in the stories you read? Did they talk about that? Because the answer really is no. This group called the Black, the Black Hebrew Israelites started the altercation, taunting, mocking, and ridiculing the students from this Catholic school in Kentucky that's called, called Covington then the native american another aggressor agitator this native american gentleman showed up to also participate in harassing these students and so this guy was he's part of this indigenous people's march he was there and actually i read more about what he was saying he was there to say that he's against building the wall which has nothing to do with the right to life march but okay he was there to oppose building the wall because all of the land that we're talking about he thinks should be reclaimed and given back to the Native Americans. So he doesn't want a wall on land that should belong to the Native Americans. And he says Native Americans don't like walls. Well, I can go off on both points, but I don't want to get distracted from the message I'm I'm trying to share with you today about the media. But someday we'll have a talk about this whole concept of reclaiming land and giving it back to the indigenous people and how if you really go back enough in history, nobody gets it and you can't do that. It's an irrational request, but can't go there today. And there also were plenty of divisions between Native American tribes, maybe not the word Wall used, use, but the whole concept that he was even making was silly. But the first point is that the media was so determined in their narrative that the Christian right is hateful that the pro-life message is wrong, that the standing up for the value and virtue of life combined with standing with President Trump is just an egregious, awful, evil, terrible thing. And therefore, they jumped at the opportunity to paint as the wrongdoers, the young high school students from a Catholic school in Kentucky. That was the easiest story to fit their narrative. And so they did. Only, only because there were people present who actually videoed the bigger event, people who spoke up, people who fellow students at this school spoke up and said, wait, that's not what happened. You took a tiny segment of the story. You took one little picture of this kid's face. There's that picture right there of his face where he's described as smug. And he, that kid, was not even... Mildly the aggressor. He was the recipient of aggression, first from that uh, one group I mentioned, and then from the Native American group. But this was a story. Now, think what would have happened if other people had not been there, other people had not captured the wider story, and then that those other people took to social media to speak up. All of America would have been left with a story that the rabid anti-American media mob, the lynch mob media, tried to portray about that incident. You would have been left with their story. Fortunately, people did speak up, but there's more to tell you about that today. Again, ties in to this lynch mob media and the mindset they have. There are certain groups, politically correct groups, which are perfectly okay under the rules of political correctness under which the media mob operates. There are groups you can always attack and it's always okay. You can always attack Trump supporters. You can always attack Christians. You can always attack pro-life people, but you can't ever attack minorities. So they're never gonna cover for you the black Hebrew Israelites group, grotesque and foul as their behavior was, as their language was. Can't talk about that because that doesn't fit the narrative of good guys, bad guys. You're not allowed to put people who are in the favored status in the group of people whose behavior might be criticized. Second, the Native American guy. I want to just tell you a little bit more about him uh, and what's, what his uh, story was. This guy, uh, I think it's Nathan Phillips. I don't have the right paper for him, I think it's Nathan Phillips, whatever his name is. This guy, actually, later that, later that weekend, his group, the Indigenous Peoples March group, which who even knows if that's a real group or it's just him he and his you know, two best friends. I don't know what it is. But they actually went and disrupted Catholic uh, mass, a Catholic worship service, a a mass, um, disrupted, you know, tried to get in, uh, went to the doors, yelling, screaming, chants, taunting, mocking, yelling at them, tried to disrupt a Catholic worship service. How many of you read that in, in the mainstream media? And on top of that, think about, just think about this analogy. Suppose it was instead a Christian group that attempted to interfere with a, an Islamic, a Muslim worship service or a Native American ritual, something that is a, gets a favored status from the media. And imagine Christians have been the ones who showed up to disrupt somebody else's worship service. You know you would hear no end of it 24-7 on CNN and all the left-wing media because this fits their narrative, anti-Christian, anti-American, anti-Trump, anti-life. But because the mainstream media has their mob mentality, they have a list of people it's okay to attack and a list of people they will never attack. So you did not end up hearing the story about this Nathan Phillips guy, this native the leader of the Native American group that uh, really caused the biggest problem at the at the Lincoln Memorial last Friday at the Right to Life March. On that subject, by the way, Nathan Phillips have learned since yesterday, I think I mentioned to you yesterday that He's frequently described as a Vietnam veteran. And someone did a little bit of math and said, wait a minute, he's not old enough to be have been a Vietnam veteran. He actually was in the military. He went AWOL three times. So he's not, and he wasn't in Vietnam, not in Vietnam, that wasn't true. He did join the military, AWOL three times, finally, you know, finally gone out of the military. The point is, this is not a guy of stellar repute. Somehow, if he had been a Christian leader trying to be disruptive, I'm sure that we would be hearing every bad thing he'd ever done his entire life. But because he's not in the right group, the mainstream media does not complain about him. But an even deeper point I want to make today about the lynch mob media, and and it's not just that they mislead and lie, which they do. They mislead and lie. They leave false impressions on the American people But on top of that, they actually harm and hurt our culture. Covington Catholic School in Kentucky, after this incident and the lynch media mob went wild presenting a lie about what happened. And after the lie was, and then, so after that, the school put out a statement denouncing the students. The Catholic diocese put out a vitriolic statement denouncing these students and we're gonna investigate and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, what's really odd is now that everyone in America paying attention realizes that the media lied, the kids did not engage in the behavior they were accused of, the wrongdoers were actually the black Hebrew Israelites and the Native American in, in, indigenous, indigenous Peoples March and Nathan, and Nate, uh, what are the guys Nathan Phillips, the bad guys were, they, were those people, the students were innocent. Covington has not put out a statement yet apologizing to the students, apologizing to their families, apologizing to America, nor has the diocese. The Catholic diocese is silent. And I'm gonna tell you why. It's because they saw how those students were treated by CNN, NBC, ABC, New York Times, Washington Post, all of these left-wing lynch mob media outfits And they don't want to be in the crosshairs of those same nasty media people. Too many Americans find it easiest to just be silent if the other choice is to speak up and incur the wrath of the lynch mob media that lives in this country to attack, lives to feed their narrative, to attack people who dare, challenge the left-wing left wing view of the world, to dares to challenge left-wing thinking in this country. So the diocese is silent. The school is silent. And I've actually read that the parents are considering a lawsuit. I'm not sure if that's true, but the parents considering a lawsuit to say, you need to apologize, or we may just sue you. Honestly, I think they should. I think the school, and because this is one thing I've talked about with you and my listeners many times about this, you know, the whole idea about, you know, a water, water coming down a mountain, it takes the path of least resistance. It's going to go around a rock. It's not going to try to climb up the rock and go over. Well, so do people take the path of least resistance. If the diocese was pressured, I'm sure, to put out a statement denouncing this horrible behavior by their students, they jumped and did it. And they're now sitting where they have been, the media's off their back, the media's not hassling them anymore, and they can sit there and be silent because they're not worried what the, the people who are in the right, what the families will do, what America will do, what those students will do. They're not worried about what the truth is. They have taken the course of least resistance, go ahead, put this statement out, denouncing these kids, and now that they know the truth, they won't, at least thus far, they don't speak up because it's easier to be silent and surrender to the lynch mob mentality of the meeting in this country than to stand up and say what's true. They won't do it. I hope they do. I mean they are allegedly I mean, they're a Catholic school. They're obviously Christian. I hope they decide to do it. I hope the diocese decides to do it. But this is a case where you can see all of America's watching the lynch mob mentality of the Democrat media mob in this country, it's time for people to speak up more. It's time for people to put as much pressure on the diocese, on the school to say, you speak up, you apologize, you vindicate those kids, you explain that you were given bad information and your previous statement was not justified by the facts. There should be pressure on them to do that. And a related story I want to hit, related to the Democrat media mob. And we're watching this whole Blexit rally that Candace Owens put on. And obviously she's just speaking up for you know the, her main point, because I've heard her speak actually and seen her and, and actually interviewed her. I mean, she's been on my show. She's, she's a wonderful thinker. But one point she makes over and over and over is that she says the American left, the Democrat party, the Democrat media mob in this country is so demanding of the idea that the people they designate because of their skin color, must be with them. Democrats have told black America for decades, you need to vote with us. We're the ones who care about you, you know, and the Democrat party tends to get whatever it is, over 90% of the black vote almost almost all the time. And she is merely saying, she Candace owns this, one message she has is think for yourselves, learn the facts yourselves. You ask yourself, What actually has the Democrat party ever done that truly helped black America? What is the reason for the, and if you actually, if you're on Twitter, if you're not, you should be, but if you're on Twitter, go to look and see Candace Owens tweets. She puts things out all the time, like about how the growth, the Democrat party sponsored great society, the growth of government assistance programs, parallel the growth of single parent homes in the black community and how, single parent homes directly translate into just just all sorts of problems for young people growing up in single parent homes the odds of ending up as a student as a child growing up in a single parent home with no father in the home the odds are greatly increased that you will end up dropping out of high school joining a gang getting hooked on drugs getting arrested getting in trouble just messing up your life she makes these points and goes back to the black community and says I invite you to think for yourselves. Read the facts yourselves. Don't be told by some political party how you're supposed to think. Think for yourselves. Well, I'm gonna urge you on one last point today related to the Democrat media mob and related to how the media forms and shapes stories to sway public opinion. I'm gonna go all the way back to Ferguson, to the very unfortunate, and horrible events of Ferguson back in August of 2014. And as you all obviously know, in Ferguson, Missouri, there was a shooting by a police officer of an unarmed young black man in August of 2014. The victim, the shooting victim was Michael Brown. The officer involved in the case was, I can't remember his name, Wilson, Darren Wilson, I think. But I wanna go back and tell you something that I think many Americans do not know about that. Let me. Preface my remarks by saying, the loss of any life is horrible. The loss of a young person's life is deeply painful, painful to the family. You always wish there were a way it could have been prevented. I am, and and what I'm about to tell you is something that is really example, uh, an example of the media's relentless willingness to mislead the American people. In the time, at the time of Ferguson, August of 2014, obviously the shooting occurred and then there was all sorts of investigation as there should be, of course, uh, as to what happened that day. What incident, what facts led up to that shooting by the officer in this case? Well, one thing that happened and many people don't know about this. And again, it's on our website. If you go up to AmericaCanWeTalk.org, we're gonna fix this today under the uh, on the homepage Under the term podcast, there will be list of links. It'll take you to this very article I'm going to talk about today. So someone, so what happens? They have the shooting, the shooting occurred, and then the case is taken to the grand jury. A grand jury hears a testimony put on by a prosecutor to make the argument to see if the grand jury made up of citizens Will vote that to bring an indictment against an individual. So the, the the district attorney is making a presentation to the grand jury in Ferguson to make the argument for the indictment of the officer involved in the Michael Brown shooting. Well, a playwright in this country, may, there's a there's a I didn't even know about this until now, but there's a kind of play. It's called a verbatim v e r b a t i m verbatim. It means word for word. A verbatim play a playwright made a play of the grand jury testimony in Ferguson Missouri meaning he actually took the words the testimony given by the individuals by the witnesses the same exact words the grand jury heard as you likely know the grand jury voted not to bring down an indictment against the officer and so people were outraged. How could that possibly be? How could this guy not be indicted? He shot an unarmed young black man, a police a white police officer shot an unarmed young black man. How can that be the case? How could there be no indictment? And of course, racism is always the answer the left brings up. But this play that was created is literally a verbatim word for word uh presentation by the um uh of the words that were in the um given as testimony by these witnesses and the uh we had lights go out here on this you're okay, gonna figure that out okay anyway uh, word for word testimony well part of what happened which was really uh an extraordinary thing is many people who watch the play learn for the first time the name clara jenkins from now on the rest of your life every time you hear reference to ferguson and reference to hands up, don't shoot. You remember that, hands up, don't shoot, came from that incident in Ferguson. It came from the belief, the news reporting, the lynch mob media reporting that said that Michael Brown, this very, very large, strong, muscular young man, did that he stood up, put his hands up and said, don't shoot. And that despite that he stopped, charging the officer, that he put his hands up and said, don't shoot, that somehow still the officer fired his gun and shot Michael Brown. That is the mainstream narrative. That is the reason that you had the, I forget what team it was, the uh, Rams or somebody that fall ran out onto the NFL, an NFL team ran out onto the um, football field at the start of a game with their hands up to show sympathy for hands up, don't shoot. It was the same thing that it really was the whole, uh, among the bases for the beginning of the protest by the um, uh, by a Colin Kaepernick and the, and the whole kneeling during uh, football games was this hands up, don't shoot narrative. I wanna tell you what Clara Jenkins told the, uh, and you can read this yourself, you can read the play, what Clara Jenkins told, and she was the last witness called to the grand jury describing what happened that day. She was an eyewitness. She's sitting in the front seat of a van. She has direct view of what happened. Let me just tell you, before I tell you what she said happened, what she said about herself, she talked about her own, her view of of the police officers, of police in general. She said, basically, um, I don't like, I didn't wanna have to testify. She talked about, I, I can't find her testimony quickly, but I will. Um, she basically said that um, she didn't wanna testify, she doesn't like the police, she never would have agreed to come and testify at the grand jury, except she was subpoenaed, so she had to come. But she had the, the bird's eye view, watch the whole thing, this is a young black woman, a black, I think she was a resident of Ferguson, but anyway, she's a young black woman, saw the whole thing, last witness before the grand jury, and she told the grand jury that Michael Brown never stopped charging the officer, never put his hands up, never said, don't shoot. Hands up, don't shoot, was a lie. It never happened. And that narrative of which everyone in America would, you know, if you, envision anyone who's got their hands up, they're frozen, they're stopped, they're saying don't shoot, anyone would sympathize with the young person putting his hands up. Anyone would agree that a police officer who would fire his gun when the person saying hands up and saying don't shoot, that any officer who would still fire his gun you know, needs to be prosecuted. Everyone would agree. And the point I'm telling you is this narrative that hands up, don't shoot, it didn't happen. And this is what the grand jury heard. This is why there wasn't a prosecution. Because the single most important eyewitness who testified she doesn't like the police, she doesn't want to go, she basically testified that officer had no choice. That's what she basically testified to the grand jury. She said, Um, She was in her minivan with her family when the confrontation leading up the shooting took place. She told the grand jury that Brown did not raise his hands to surrender and he continued to charge the officer. A large man charging an officer and the officers yelling, stop, 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 get on the ground, get on the ground, stop, stop, stop. Brown would not stop. Brown had already just a few, whatever it was, an hour or two earlier, physically assaulted the same officer. Reached in his car, tried to grab his gun, punched him. So the officer knows who this guy is. The guy is charging at him. He's already punched him once. He's yelling, "Get down! Get down! Get down! Get down! Stop!" Michael Brown wouldn't stop. Never stopped charging the officer. Never raised his hands. This is the, what the woman actually said to her lawyer: "I'm not, you know, really big on talking to the police or defending the police." This is the same woman, Claire Jenkins. She said. I'm being really honest with you. I feel like the officer was in the right. And that's a lot of saying, because other than that, I ain't got nothing to do with them, with the police. So I tell you this story to say, this little bit of information I've told you, it doesn't mean that everything the officer did that day was right. It doesn't mean that there might have been some better solution. It doesn't mean that there is not police violence that is unjustified. It doesn't mean any of those things. But it does mean that the media narrative, the lynch mob media, the left-wing media mob, worked very hard for years and years and years to put out the story of hands up, don't shoot. It means that President Obama, president of this country at that time, who had to know, his own Justice Department investigated the case, also concluded there's no basis to prosecute. It means President Obama did not tell you that astonishingly important fact, that the Attorney General did not tell you that amazingly important fact that all of the media, the left-wing media in this country, the CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, Washington Post, none of them ever put that story out because it did not fit the Democrat media lynch mob mentality. What they tried to do in that story is turn the American people, there were at least two missions that media had, turn the American people against our police, to exacerbate and exaggerate the lies about racism in this country on the part of police officers, and more broadly speaking, to encourage American division, to encourage the American people to feel divided, to feel suspicious, to, to challenge, to resent their fellow Americans. The goal of dividing Americans into resenting each other is part of what the american the left-wing media mob does in this country it's grotesquely unfair to the good people of this country america is filled with people of every race ethnicity national origin and skin color who live every day working as hard as they can to love their neighbor as themselves to treat other people with fairness and that is what's true about america and that is why the democrat media mob mentality is so so grotesquely unfair to this country i'm debbie georges this is my show america can we talk every wednesday excuse me monday through thursday 3 p.m central time wherever you're watching that's what i'm on i'd love to have you come back i'd love to have you email me at america at gmail.com and come back for every show because what i do in the show is talk truth about america because america matters talk to you next time Talk Truth About America. Can you